okay, Orange County, we've got our ballots. It's time to vote. Please go to our website, ocballotguide.com. It's in the show notes, but it's ocballotguide.com. Share it with everyone you know, help inform voters, and let's elect great candidates to serve our community and take us in the right direction. ocballotguide.com. Return your ballots, drop them in a mailbox, put them in the mail, or vote at a vote center. June 7th is the deadline. Return those ballots, ocballotguide.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome to A Slice of Orange. I'm Jody Balma, and today it's part two of the ballot guide. In the last episode, part one, I talked about how the rules of elections determine the winners, that how the votes are counted matters, and how to be an informed voter. So if you missed that one, go back and listen. In this episode, I'm going to go through the Orange County ballot office by office, grab your ballot. Let's talk about who you might want to vote for. Um, I'm going to do a special episode on my endorsements for judicial candidates because there are so many races on the ballot and there's a lot to talk about with 24 candidates and nine offices. Um, I'll do a quick hit at the end of just who I've endorsed if you uh, just want to look at that. And if you've listened to all of my uh, interviews with candidates, you probably know more than most voters uh, about some of these candidates. So let's get started. Okay, so I'm Jody Balma. This is A Slice of Orange, and we're going over the ballot today. So first up, top of the ticket, we've got the statewide offices. And um, thanks to the progressives of the 20th century, this section is long. We're not just voting for a governor or a governor and lieutenant governor on a ticket where they're running together. The plural executive is all separate elections. So we're voting for governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, controller and treasurer, the attorney general, insurance commissioner, superintendent of public instruction, and board of equalization member area four. Now, a lot of these are the incumbents running for their second term um, before they're termed out of office. Uh, the Republicans haven't put up a lot of money uh, or you know, attention to the governor's office. I think that that race in September with the recall election in September, where Newsom won easily, um, even though Larry Elder was spending a bunch of money, um, most of those candidates uh, on, on the recall ballot aren't running again um, for this four-year term. So there's not a ton of ads or attention to these top-of-the-ticket races. Um, Secretary of State uh, Shirley Weber was appointed by Newsom, so she has to win her uh, office outright. Uh, same thing for the Attorney General, Rob Bonta who um, uh, was appointed by Newsom, governor, lieutenant governor, uh, the treasurer, the, the insurance commissioner, superintendent of public instruction, board of equalization for this area, all are incumbents running again. The controller is open. Uh, Betty Yee has hit her limit of two terms, so she can't run again, so this is open. Um, as always, the League of Women Voters has everything you need to know with Voters Edge, uh, there's a link in the show notes, but you can find it at cavotes.org, calvotes.org. Um, most of these incumbents are likely to win, but that doesn't mean you have to vote for them based on predictions. You can always vote for somebody else. And uh, the rules of the election, uh, the top two are going to November. So strategically, there may be a reason that you want to vote for somebody else. Um, the Orange Juice blog has great advice about vote, using your vote strategically, uh, sometimes for um, somebody who might 
want to be running in the future, sometimes to help a minor party that needs enough votes in the general election to stay a minor party on the ballot. They have to qualify with enough votes um, to maintain that. So you can check out who the political parties endorsed. Most candidates have campaign websites where you can learn more. Um, I will draw your attention to Board of Equalization, Dave Dodson. Um, worked at the Board of Equalization for 30 years. He runs the SoCal office. Um, th- there is something to be said for having an expert in this um, in, in this position, uh, not that we don't want experts in all of the positions, but um, you know, having a manager for Board of Equalization is making decisions about taxes and fees and kind of the complicated differences between that. Um, I would encourage you to ch- check him out and, and see if that's somebody you want to support. But um, there are lots of, there's lots of information and lots of people endorsing these other seats. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, United States Senator, that gets a little tricky because it's on there twice, which seems to be confusing people. Um, we're voting for both a short-term office from November to January, uh, just a couple of months, and then also a six-year term. So here's why. Alex Padilla was appointed by Governor Newsom to serve the rest of the Senate seat won by Kamala Harris in 2016. Her term is now up. So she left the Senate when she was elected vice president of the United States. Um, But California election law says that the appointed term ends with the election by the people. So that means November. Once we vote in November, that ends the appointment of Senator Padilla. So whether he wins or loses in November, that ends. Uh, normally, it wouldn't be a big deal for the state of California to only have one senator from November to January. Then whoever wins uh, the Senate election in November would take over with all the rest of the folks across the country who win office for the 118th Congress that starts January 3rd, 2023. However, we have a 50-50 Senate. There are 50 Republicans and 48 Democrats and two independents who vote with the Democrats, so it's 50-50. And then Vice President Harris, who's a Democrat, breaks the tie. So the Democrats have control. Chuck Schumer is the majority leader because the Democrats have control. So if Padilla or any other Democrat isn't in Congress, that means the Republicans get a majority and Mitch McConnell would become a majority leader. So we're voting twice. Once to fill the Senate seat from November to January, short term, and once for the senator who represent California in the United States Senate for the next six years. Um, again, the top two candidates in all of these races have a runoff in November when the winner will be chosen. So that's our statewide offices and board of equalization is by district, but represents us in Sacramento. So let's talk about the Orange County elections, these districts, the House of Representatives, the Senate, the Assembly. Um, every 10 years, we have to redraw the lines. Uh, in 2021, the California Redistricting Commission created these new district lines for 52 House seats, 80 state assembly, and 40 state Senate districts. So almost everyone in the county is in a new district, and many will find incumbents you've never heard of because the districts moved everybody around. Um, in the House of Representatives, the Constitution does not require that the candidates live in the district. So you may even have some people on the ballot who don't yet live in the district and might not move to the district. That's fine, according to the Constitution, but um, the Senate and the Assembly and the California state law, they have to live in the district. So there are a few people who had to quickly get apartments and will likely move if they win office or not. Um, So I have a video with the maps if you want to learn more about the House Assembly and Senate state maps. Uh, There are 20 
races to cover, and most of you would be voting in two, three total. So I'm not going to dive into those for this episode. But if you can, you know, look and see who's on there, you can also look at the OC vote to find out who your districts are, what numbers they are, who's running. And of course, your sample ballot and your actual ballot has all that information. Um, so that these are partisan races with the candidates listing their political party affiliation. Um, the political parties, the Orange County Democrats and the Orange County Republicans have endorsed folks in this race. Um, the top two advanced to November, even if one wins majority or higher, they still appear in November as well. So take a look at those, make your decisions. Orange County races, the county, city, and local races are all nonpartisan. So you won't see political party affiliation uh, after their names. You're just going to see a name and a ballot designation. They're job, what they do, how they want to represent themselves on the ballot. So the political parties are endorsing some of these candidates. You can look for that if you affiliate with a political party or trust a political party, but it's not going to appear on the ballot. So I want to talk about the races where someone with a majority does win, and Orange County has that. Um, the whole county gets to vote on some of these races. There are about you know 3.2 million people in the county and 1.8 million voters. Um, so the district attorney is clearly the highest profile race with lots of money being spent. Your mailbox is probably filled. Um, if you voted uh, routinely, you know, high propensity voter who's voted in five of the five last elections, you end up like me um, feeling sorry for the postal service who's carrying all of this mail, but they get paid. So that's good. All those mailers are pretty expensive. Um, including postage. So you got four candidates on this. Todd Spitzer clearly has an advantage being the incumbent and he has high name recognition. Um, it, it's hard to find a lot of people in Orange County uh, who don't know Todd Spitzer because he's been on the ballot in one way or another since 1992. He's been on the school board and then on the board of supervisors for Orange County and then in the assembly and then back to the board of supervisors. And four years ago, he beat longtime district attorney Tony Rakakis. So Fun fact, by the way, uh, if you go to his Wikipedia page, you can actually see his cast photo from his 1976 high school play where he played Marin Sam in Lil Abner, uh, 1976. So um, I imagine that Wikipedia page is run by Todd himself because I can't imagine anybody else would have linked to the newspaper write-ups. But there you go, full full history there, or at least one that he wants you to see. So. Todd's, uh, Todd Spitzer is running for re-election. Um, there are three other candidates running against. It's been pretty negative campaigning. Um, just lots and lots and lots of money. Um, Pete Harden is, is the Democrat's choice. He's a former Marine and a prosecutor who, uh, you know, wants to see reform in the district attorney's office. Um, and actually sounds a little bit like some of the things that Todd Spitzer was saying four years ago about Rakakis. Um, he's got lots of support. Uh, Harden is a former judge advocate in the U.S. Marine Corps. He's deputy district attorney, special assistant, United States attorney, and has a lot of experience uh, as, a, 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 as a deputy DA and a prosecutor. So um, that's uh, one of the candidates. Pitzer and Harden have sort of been exchanging attack ads, so it can be a little hard to see through all the mud. Um, Back in March, right before the filing deadline for this, the 
The district attorney's office would leak, you know, a lot of negative info on Spitzer. And you might remember the calls for him to resign and talk about voter confidence from within this department. Um, there was a lot of media about uh, what he had said about um, a, a black man who was a defendant and how they were going to prosecute. You can search the media for uh, all those details. But a lot of us thought that that was timed to draw a third candidate in the race. Um, maybe some prosecutors in the DA's office who didn't think that Pete Harden could win and wanted to uh, draw another prosecutor out. Some had speculated that maybe they were looking for Tracy Miller, who had left the DA's office. Um, Mike Jacobs, the former district deputy district attorney, um, came out of retirement and is running. So he's uh, a third candidate on the ballot. He's got 30 years of experience in the Orange County Deputy District Attorney's Office. He's, you know, clearly running on that experience. Um, a, a fourth candidate came in pretty late uh, in, in the filing deadline. Brian Chekhov, Chekhov, uh, who clerked for the orange, uh, the sorry, <clears throat> he clerked for the United States Court of Appeals. Um, was, since two thousand and six, he's worked in various positions within the United States Department of Justice, including the FBI and serves as counsel for the United States Drug Enforcement Administration. Um, so, uh, you know, clearly for very experienced um, folks who want to run the district attorney's office of Orange County. This is a crucially important office. No matter who you support, uh, this is a really important office. And Orange County has really suffered under scandal for far too long. And, and, and we deserve a sheriff and a death a district attorney who will clean up those offices, change the culture among the rank and file, and most importantly, um, require people to follow the law. Uh, with four candidates in the race, the chance of one of them getting a majority decreases. It's just a lot more to split with four. So we're likely to see a runoff in November. I never count Todd Spitzer out on elections. He very likely could pull this off and get a majority, but um, he's certainly more damaged than I've ever see him, seen him. There are three campaigns um, uh, pointing out uh, scandals, and um, he's only appeared in one of the candidate forums uh, that, that, that have happened around the county. So um, his um, challengers certainly have gotten to know uh, more. Uh, the voters have gotten to know those challengers more. So I, I imagine we're going to see a runoff with two of these. Um, and I would love personally to see a deeper policy discussion about um, how the district attorney's office um, is run, how it's managed, um, what their standards are, uh, and, and how they work with the sheriff's office. Um, Don Barnes is running unopposed, so there is no policy discussion on that side of the ballot. Uh, he will win. Um, and, and so we're not going to get that from the sheriff's office. So we may or may not get it from the district attorney's race if it advances to November. But the Orange County Dems have endorsed Pete Harden. A lot of my no party preference friends and former Republicans are voting for Mike Jacobs. I've got a lot of friends who just can't support Spitzer any longer. Um, so Spitzer's easily going to make the top two. He just got has name recognition. A lot of people aren't paying attention to this race. They're going to vote for the incumbent. But if you're voting for strategically, um, a vote for anybody who isn't the incumbent increases the chance of the runoff. Uh, so you should vote for one of the three you'd like to see win. You can watch the camp candidate forums online. Um, you can see their campaign websites, read their ballot statements. Um, and, and I think that we're going to see this one in November.
Okay. So there's also Orange County races that you might not have heard of. Uh, Orange County Assessor. Uh, the, the assessor, you know, identifies and values all the property in the county for property tax purposes. Uh, incumbent Claude Parrish actually has a strong challenger. Uh, we, we often see these incumbents uh, kind of run uncontested once there's somebody in there for um, for for a term. Rick Foster, uh, the Orange County Democratic Party, has gotten behind him in a big way. Um, there are three candidates, so if enough people vote for Foster or Larry Bates, the other candidate, um, th- there there could be a runoff, and this could be in um, November again. A lot of people aren't paying attention, um, so, so the incumbent could win fifty uh, percent or more and and not face a runoff. But um, I think that there are lots of people who are supporting Rick Foster to have um, a runoff in November. So the clerk quarter department, another race that, you know, if I had a magic wand, I would get rid of some of these offices and, and uh, have them be appointed. But here we are. Um, the idea that more office, uh, more elections is better. So the clerk recorder department, it's, you know, really kind of an administrative office, uh, property transactions, marriage licenses, performing civil marriage, uh, issuing birth, death, and marriage certificates, maintaining a registration of notaries, processing applications for fictitious business names, and dealing with passports. Um, you know, when in doubt, leave it blank. But uh, this time, I'm, I'm going to warn you, uh, Steve Rocco, this is the office he set his sight on. Last time, he got 100,000 votes. Um, Hugh Wynn is the incumbent. He's done a, a fine job managing this office. Uh, and so I hope you will either leave it blank or um, not vote for Steve Rocco um, for this office. I can't imagine um, working for Orange County government and, and having um, Steve Rocco as your elected manager. So uh, again, if you didn't listen to the last episode, you can Google Steve Rocco and um, Steve Rocco, Orange County, and, and find out exactly why I'm saying that. So the other three races here, tax uh, treasurer, tax collector, the sheriff, coroner, and the auditor controller are all uncontested. So there's one name on the ballot. It's a pretty sure bet to win a majority. I doubt there will be enough writing uh, 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 candidates that somehow would deny them that they'll be reelected. Okay. Next. Orange County Board of Supervisors. So three-fifths of the county uh, will see a contest for Orange County Board of Supervisors. Uh, Two districts are not on the ballot until 2024. These are the people elected to make decisions for the county government. North Orange County is in Area 4. The very center of the county is in District 2, and South County is in District 5. These are redrawn districts, so you might be in a different district than you were before. If you don't see one on your ballot, that's because you're going to vote in 2024. So Area 4 has two challengers uh, for the seat currently held by Doug Chafee. The Orange County Democratic Party surprised some folks by not endorsing uh, the incumbent, who is a member of the Democratic Party, and instead um, have endorsed Sunny Park, mayor of Buena Park. Um, individual endorsements from Democrats have come out strongly for Sunny Park. Um, and it's possible that neither gets enough votes, and so they could both advance to November. Um, the Republican on this ballot, even though it's nonpartisan, um, the Republican on this ballot is Steve Vargas, and he could, if all the Republicans rally around him, he might emerge as number two in the vote totals. Um, I don't know if he's well-known outside of my town of Brea, but he's a fairly polarizing city councilman here. He's sued the city. Um, more importantly, you can search the Orange Juice blog for 
articles detailing his embezzlement of money from the Brea uh, VFW Hall for the veterans. Um, you know, ah, Brea, uh, <laughs> where the guy running as a veterans advocate shows absolutely no shame in stealing donations for the from the Brea VFW. Um, now, in his defense, he didn't pocket the money; he put it into his own veterans organization. But the judge didn't actually find that a compelling. Um, argument. So, uh, uh, you know, found him guilty of embezzlement and ordered him to not only pay back the money he owed, but also more to teach him a lesson. As the judge said, I don't think you actually understand what you did was wrong. Um, so <clears throat> we'll see what happens. But um, Doug Chafee has, uh, you know, certainly not always voted the way the Democratic Party wanted. He often on the Orange County um, Board of Supervisors has voted with Andrew Doe um, instead of with Katrina Foley, um, who you might expect would be uh, an, an ally for him. So uh, uh, the Democrats are, are coming behind strong for Sunny Park. Um, we shall see what happens. Um, there. District 5, Katrina Foley was redistricted into the South County District. There are three Republicans fighting it off to face in November. Um, they clearly think that they, you know, uh, want to see a Republican in the runoff and, and one of them will emerge. Kevin Muldoon uh, came in third in the 2021 special election where Foley won um, that, that race. Uh, and so now he has two different challengers, both women who have been elected in Orange County politics for years. They Likely are familiar names if you've seen some ballots in the past. Diane Harkey and Patricia Bates. Um, Bates is actually attempting a Spitzer move here. She served on the supervisors, then she went to Sacramento. Now she wants to get back on. Um, they have split endorsements. Uh, lots of different donors are supporting different candidates in this race. It does show, uh, you know, the the different sects of the Republican Party that have kind of those lines and divisions have been drawn. Um, Pat Bates was recruited by a lot of Republicans who um, didn't want to support uh, Muldoon and, and didn't want to support Diane Harkey. The Orange County Republicans actually endorsed Harkey, which, um, okay, uh, I, I would suggest voters search the Orange Juice blog for um, Voice of OC for the um, Diane Harkey scandals. It's never good to have Ponzi scheme describe the allegations against you and your husband. Um, but um, she's running for this seat. We shall see who makes the runoff. Um, I think Foley will easily make the runoff and then one of the Republicans will will face her in November. So District 2, this is uh, uh, the only one on the ballot without an incumbent. Um, six people are trying to make the top two since it's really unlikely with six candidates that any one of them could get 50% in June. Lots of Democrats are endorsing either uh, Vicente Sarmiento or... Um, the Santa Ana mayor or Kim Bernice uh, Nguyen, the Garden Grove city councilwoman. You might want to research CC uh, Iglesias. She's an Orange County Republican Party, didn't endorse anybody in this race. There are definitely Republicans uh, in this race. For those of you who are looking for one, um, I would definitely do a media search on CC Iglesias. Um, I, I think one of the reasons the Republican Party didn't endorse anybody is uh, a lot of People considered her to be a right-wing Trumpster ideologue from Santa Ana politics. Uh, Dumitru uh, is pretty anti-immigrant in Orange City politics. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But um, a, a lot of Democrats I know are splitting their votes between Vince and Kim. Uh, so Sarmiento and Wynn are, are definitely getting the support. There's a fairly 
uh, Democratic-leaning districts. So I, I imagine at least one of them, if not both of them, would advance. Um, but I don't live in that district, so I'm not getting all the mailers. Uh, so it's hard to actually know. Okay. I'm going to take a break and I'll come back and talk about the Board of Education. Orange County Board of Education. I really believe these might be the most important races on the ballot. Um, They're one and done in June, so there's no second chance in November. Um, They're low information elections. A lot of voters are not used to paying attention to Board of Education as evidenced by some of the past votes that they've made. Um, We've also got a superintendent of schools on this race, and, and voters definitely aren't used to casting a vote for superintendent. So I've talked about this when I did episodes with uh, Paulette Chafee running for Area 4, uh, Shereen Smith, Area um, 5, and then also um, Alma Harris, who's the superintendent. So listen to those episodes if you want to learn more. But the current majority on the Board of Education is not just conservative. This is, this is not a Republican-Democrat thing. This is a, you know, kind of wasteful spending, dangerous, outside of their lane uh, majority who has made decisions that have cost the taxpayers six, seven million dollars in lawsuits that have gone nowhere, suing the governor during the pandemic, um, not you know wanting to reopen in 2020 before any vaccines came. They wanted to reopen the schools fully uh, without any safety protocols. Um, so really a polarizing majority on the Board of Education. There are four of them. And they have fought uh, against the superintendent. Um, Really, besides the current majority on the Board of Education, I have yet to meet anyone who has anything bad to say about the current superintendent, Dr. Alan Harris. Um, You can listen to the episode to learn more. He's not political. He's not partisan. He's well-respected. He's a dedicated public educator serving all students supporting all schools, celebrating educators across the county. Um, As he and I discussed, there are excellent charter schools in Orange County. It's not that anybody's anti-charter school, the Orange County School of the Arts. There's lots and lots and lots of examples of really great, excellent public charter schools. Um, But this board doesn't like him because they see him standing in their way. Um, and one of the things they want to do, and they've made clear with their approval of the, of the charter for the Classical Charter Academy, um, is, is to approve these charter schools that have a political and ideological agenda. So Stephen Bean is running against, Dr. Stephen Bean is running against uh, Alma Harris. Now, Bean is tied to Jeff and Mary Barkey. Jeff is the board president of the Classical Charter Academy that was granted charter approval with the current 4-1 conservative Board of Education. Um, I'll link to the New York Times article, but you can also just search it. Uh, They did an article about Hillsdale College, this small ideological school that plans to build a national charter network teaching the 1776 project curriculum from the Trump administration. Um, Hillsdale College associated with Betsy DeVos. We sort of heard about that during the um, her nomination hearing. Um, uh, Stephen Bean is the board secretary of that same charter school. 
So clearly, uh, the, the, the majority is hoping to get a superintendent who will approve everything that they want, who will allow them to set the budget, um, who will allow them to sue anybody they want. And I find uh, Bean's ballot statement uh, to be a little disingenuous that the superintendent shouldn't be suing because it hasn't been the superintendent suing anybody. Uh, it has been the, the, the board that has um, been pursuing these lawsuits against the governor and trying to you know, reject the independent commission's redrawing of maps in a fair way. Um, so really and truly, um, if you want to support public education, these races are clear. Um, there is a clear ideological divide. So if you support public education, please vote for Alma Harris to remain superintendent of Orange County Schools. There are three district elections on the Board of Education. So depending on where you live, you may have one of those three. Um, three of the four uh, conservative majority are on the ballot. So people have a real chance. Voters have a real opportunity to change the majority of this ballot. But they have to vote. They have to vote for the, the, the supporters of public education um, against the incumbents. Area 2 covers the southwest part of Orange County with Martha Floor running against Mary Barkey, who's on board. She's the one married to the Jeff Barkey, who's the board president of the charter school. Uh, and then Area 4 is North Orange County with Tim Shaw, who is <clears throat> not supposed to be listed as an incumbent because he's currently not on the Board of Education. A judge removed him because he violated the board, violated education code by appointing him to the seat he resigned from which is not allowed. Um, and the reason he resigned was because he was sued for violating election code because he held two offices at once. He was on the La Habra City Council as well as the Board of Education. And so he resigned from the Board of Education and then they, uh, the board was going to appoint a replacement. He resigned from La Habra City Council so that he could be appointed to the Board of Education and the judge ruled that he can't serve because he violated um, education code in being appointed. <clears throat> Sound confusing? I know. Okay. So there are four candidates on the ballot. So it's very likely that Tim Shaw could win again because voters will split their votes. That's what happened in 2020, how Tim Shaw won even in a Democratic-leaning district. I know these are nonpartisan vote elections, but they were very partisan candidates who were running with support from the Democratic Party. So the Democratic voters in 2020 split their votes between Paulette Chafee, um, Jordan Brandman, and Vicki Calhoun, and Tim Shaw won by 33% of the vote. That could happen again. Now, I don't know who these other two candidates are that aren't Paulette Chafee and Tim Shaw, but really and truly, those are the two candidates that voters need to focus on. This is a strategic vote. It's one and done. Whoever gets the most votes wins. So Paulette Chafee has the best chance to beat Tim Shaw. However, a lot of voters um, have complaints about Paulette Chafee. They don't like Paulette Chafee. And, and it, it, you know, I understand that. I understand people want to like the people. But as I talked about in the last episode, your vote is not a valentine. Your vote is a chess move. You are voting for which train the Board of Education should choose as the conductor? Do you want it, the majority to move in the direction of public education and fiscal responsibility? That that that, that vote should go to Paulette Chafe. If you're voting for the person who continues, if they have a majority, to sue the governor, to 
uh, you know, pass uh, uh, approvals for charter schools that will build this classical charter academy network for Hillsdale College that is against teaching ethnic studies. They had a, um, a, a, a panel the, the, uh, about ethnic studies um, and how awful and terrible and damaging it is. Um, but wow, um, the state of California wants people to actually learn accurate history. And this board seems to be against that in many ways. So um, I'm going to advise voters to vote for the direction you want the train. If you like the direction this board of education is going in, Tim Shaw should get your vote. If you want the train to turn around and go the opposite direction, Paulette Chafee has um, the best chance to win. And this is one and done. Okay. Uh, District 5, South Orange County, uh, Shereen Smith, who I spoke with earlier, you can listen to that podcast, Challenging Lisa Sparks, um, who has her own, uh, you know, search the media archives for Lisa Sparks. She uh, works for, uh, she's run for Congress and she works for Chapman University. She stepped down as dean. Um, her husband appointed her dean for a college that he, her husband, who's the president of Chapman University, um, established. So there's a little bit of nepotism there. and. I imagine her colleagues are super happy that their boss is, you know, was the president's wife. Anyway, um, she has a few controversies from Chapman. You can look into Shereen Smith is, um, you know, definitely uh, in the other train going in the direction of public education, uh, not for charters that have an ideological agenda. Um, so that's uh, District 5 um, in South Orange County. Now, I got to meet all three challengers. I just ran out of time, to, so I didn't get to interview Martha Floor, but um, she's a very well-respected public educator. Um, but I also met board uh, member Becky Gomez. Um, she finds herself on the losing side of every vote they take um, because of this 4-1. But Becky Gomez is also in the same position as Tim Shaw, so there's a lawsuit against her. So not only is this strategic, it's also about the possibility that Becky Gomez, who serves as both, um, on the Board of Education and on the City Council of the City of Tustin. So it seems as if, if Tim Shaw can't hold both those offices, I imagine a judge is going to rule the same for Becky Gomez. So here are the stakes. Ken Williams and Becky Gomez are the incumbents who don't uh, cert stand for election until 2024. But Becky Gomez could be removed from office by the same uh, legal interpretation as Tim Shaw was. So if... Shereen Smith wins and Martha Floor wins, but people hold their nose and don't want to vote for Paulette Chafee, then Tim Shaw wins. Or they split the vote saying, I don't want to vote for Paulette Chafee, so I won't vote for Tim Shaw, and Tim Shaw wins by 33% of the vote. Okay, so now you've got Ken Williams and Tim Shaw on one side, you've got Shereen Smith and Martha Floor on the other side, and Becky Gomez may have to step down because... She has the same uh, two uh, elected office um, issue that Tim Shaw had. So if it's a 2-2 law without Becky Gomez, then I imagine they're never going to agree on who to appoint. We would have to go to a special election, which would be incredibly costly um, and unnecessary. Uh, there, there's no reason. If Paulette Chafee wins, if it's Becky Gomez and Paulette Chafee and Shereen Smith and Martha Floor as a 4-1 majority that flips, um, then if Becky Gomez has to step down, 
um, the, 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 the three um, vote majority could appoint somebody um, who interviews for the position and save the taxpayers that special election. So there's a strategic reason uh, to get uh, a 4-1 majority as well. Let me tell you a personal um, story. So I was, you know, 2022 Orange County Teacher of the Year, honored by um, the Orange County Board of Education. And I got to meet a lot of people who work for this office and, you know, had nothing but respect for Maharis, who is the supervisor. They would like all the controversy and kind of this craziness to end. They just want to do their jobs. But what struck me at this event and, and, you know, just hundreds and hundreds of teachers of the year from across the county, K through 12, amazing, amazing, amazing um, uh, teachers and educators who are doing such um, incredible work. It was an honor to be there amongst them. Um, But I met all three of the candidates that are running as challengers and Becky Gomez was there, but she was the only incumbent. She was the only member of the board who was there. Now that's kind of strange. Usually you can't keep elected officials away from an event like this. Um, You know, the the, the ballroom was filled with local school board members celebrating their teachers year and taking pictures and meeting people. And, and, and really it's one of the most fun events. Um, It's an election year where you think everybody wants to be seen and, Um, principals and superintendents and teachers. Um, But Ken Williams wasn't there and Tim Shaw wasn't there and Mary Barkey wasn't there and Lisa Sparks wasn't there. And that surprised me. I thought that they would be. Um, Why wouldn't they be? They're on the Board of Education. This is an event that, that celebrates the Orange County Department of Education Um, shout out to the media team. They just did an incredible, incredible job. Um, You can subscribe to their newsroom and find out what's going on across the county. But none of these four majority board members were there. And, and, and I, and I started asking and, and I heard from a couple of people who said, you know, they never come. They do not show up. They do not show up to support public educators. They do not show up to celebrate these amazing teachers. And, and three of them have never come. Ken Williams, who's the board president and been on the board since 1996. Uh, they said he might've come once, but he certainly hasn't come this millennium. And the quote that I heard over and over is, they just don't care about public education or educators. They care about themselves and they care about the political agenda. Now, whether you agree with what they want to do or not, that's really disappointing. Um, but that's how it looked to me. Um, so search the media archives. YouTube has a number of news clips covering the lawsuits and the pro- protests during the pandemic. Um, some of the most outrageous statements, including Tim Shaw saying, you know, we're not the governing board of anything. Um, and I imagine that juvenile justice schools, um, the, 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 uh, the foster care system, the, the, the schools, all of those things that I discussed with Elma Harris of what the Orange County Board of Education actually governs. Um, it, it's just a disappointing situation. And so these one and dones, I hope that you will vote um, for the train in the direction that you want to see um, the Board of Education uh, and, the, and the Department of Education go. So, okay. I'm going to do a quick hit on the judges uh, and, and talk about the ones I've endorsed. And then I'm going to do a separate episode because there are nine races, 24 candidates. I've interviewed a lot of them. I've talked to a bunch of people. Um, I really wanted to do the best job I could possibly to inform you, my students, listeners, the community, 
um, because these are the lowest of low, low information. It's really hard to find out anything about judges. So let's talk about um, those who I think you should really do some research on. I think you should do a deep dive on Claudia Alvarez, who served uh, on the city council of Santa Ana um, and was almost forced to resign. Sean Nelson, who has been around county politics for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, just the, the ethics and the hypocrisy when it comes to attacking public pensions and then taking one when it comes to attacking public employees. Um, and, and then not only, you know, getting a, a, a car for free while he served on the air quality management district, but then also pocketing the car allowance on the Orange County Board of Supervisors, all while, you know, attacking, uh, public employees for, uh, for their, I don't even know the many ways that he's attacked public employees. Eric Scarborough for uh, his involvement with the snitch scandal. And Erin Beltran-Rowe, um, she's the ethics office officer for the district attorney. She you know, claims that in her ballot statement. And I think with the ethical violations in the district attorney's office, including with her boss, um, I, I don't know if that deserves a promotion. Um, so do a deep dive. I'll talk more in the next episode about those. But let me tell you who I do support each of these nine offices. So seat number five, Kimberly LaSalle is amazing. Listen to the podcast. Uh, she would be such an advocate for family law and for families. Uh, Joe Dane, commissioner, uh, already doing the job uh, and, and just wants the official title. He's well-respected and, and endorsed. So that's seat number nine. Mark Gibbons is running against Sean Nelson. Um, so Mark Gibbons for seat number 11, Ray Brown for seat number 21, Brahim Batai for seat number 22, Jessica Cha for seat 28, Michelle Bell for seat number 30, Brett Weissman for seat 33, and Israel uh, Clostro for seat 45. Again, I'm going to go into all the detail in the next episode, but there's your ballot. Happy voting. Thank you for listening to A Slice of Orange. I have an incredible production team that makes this possible. So thank you to executive producer Aaron Wadka, the season two editing team uh, that made us all better, Alexandria Kim and Sydney Gimple. And starting uh, for the end of season two and my season three uh, production crew, Jackson Henry. Thank you all. And thanks for listening.